Welcome to Attenuation, a weekly podcast where two friends come together to drink beer, discuss beer styles and trends, and just generally ruminate on the meaning of life, aka beer. If you enjoy your time with us, we invite you to become a weekly listener and subscribe to the podcast. Without further ado, here is this week's episode. Hello, and welcome to episode 58 of Attenuation, a beer podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friend since 8th grade, Steven. Hello. How's it going today, sir? Awesome. Good. You ready to uh, drink beer and talk about a failed beer company? I'm very ready. (laughs) One I had never heard of until, like, last week, so. And they're super, they were famous for so long. Yeah. So maybe the listener already knows what we're talking about, but. Yeah, probably. Everyone I've mentioned this to so far this week has known. Oh, I didn't know either, so we learned a lot. We're talking about Schiltz beer. Schlitz. Schlitz? Oh, Schlitz. (laughs) I didn't even know how to say it. Schlitz. Oh, yeah, I watched all the commercials. I didn't know Schlitz. Yeah, it was just a little mix-up of the L and the I there. So we're calling this episode the, now now I'm afraid to say it. Schlitz. Schlitz. No, <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> the Schlitz mistake. Schlitz mistake, yeah. All right, let's see. They made it. a lot of them. <laughs> a, con- a continuous stream of mistakes. I'll tell you, do you want to hear the story about why we're even doing this? Yeah, yeah. What's the backstory? I was watching the baseball game, the Giants. I'm a big San Francisco Giants fan. They were playing a game in Milwaukee. They were playing the Milwaukee Brewers. And my kids were asking me, oh, what team are they playing? And I said, the the Brewers in Milwaukee. And they were like, oh, why are they called the Brewers? And I said, oh, well, you know, Milwaukee's a very famous um, beer town. And my wife goes, what beer is the brew there? And I'm like, I don't know. Actually, I don't know what beers they're famous for. So I Googled it. And what is the beer that was made Wisconsin famous or made Milwaukee famous? Schlitz beer. And then I started reading about it. And I was like, oh, my God, this is fascinating. We're doing a deep dive on Schlitz beer. So that's when I texted Jason. Hey, want to do a deep dive on Schlitz beer? And I said, what? <laughs> what beer is that? <laughs> I'm not sure. Yeah. I thought he was going to be like, um, are you kidding? <laughs> <laughs> we both had no idea, so it was a good pick. So you can okay. thank my kids' curiosity for. Yeah, it triggered this episode. That's a really cool, <laughs> really cool cascade of uh, effects. All right, well, we got to do our favorite part of the podcast, and that's drinking beer. Oh yeah. And I have a good one today. Me too. Actually, this is a white whale of mine. Mm, and you, it's a white you whale day. It, and you brought it to me. We need some big sound effect for to announce a white whale day. We need a whale song. Can you edit in a clip of whale whale song? You bet I can. It's like, ooh, <laughs> you know that I'm talking about. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking like a big blowhole sound or something. No, like no, majestic spewing blow. water out there blowhole. All right, well, artist cho- artist choice. I'll see what you <laughs> put in when the episode comes out. I do want to clip in some uh, some of the audio clips from these Schlitz beer commercials, though. I might do that. We should. They're amazing. All right, so I introduce my beer, I give nose notes, and then I pass it to Stephen to do the same, and then we drink and we give our tasting notes. 
So today, drumroll please, I have Brooklyn Black Ops, which is their Russian Imperial Stout, and it's aged in four roses, small batch bourbon barrels. And I really wanted to try this because we did our we did a deep dive episode on Brooklyn Brewing, and this beer came up, and I got really excited about it because it was. And then what was it like the next week? Yes, you saw saw the story the the next week. What? It was like known. I wouldn't have even known what it was. I would have overlooked it. And I think it only I think they only brew it like once a year or whatever. So you just we perfectly timed the episode without knowing it. Crazy. So I'm ex- I'm excited and I took it out early. So it's not gonna be freezing. Oh, it warmed it up a little. We're learning. We're learning. <laughs> so this is jet black, as you would suspect. It has very fine tan bubbles for head. And it smells wow. Powerful smells of bourbon, <laughs> as you would suspect. Dark chocolate, coffee, cherry, caramel, dark like dark malt, vanilla even maybe. But yeah, like a almost like cherry cough medicine. Some powerful smells. Some powerful <laughs> powerful smells coming off this one, Steven. Oh, did I mention it's eleven point six percent? Nice. So this is a big one. All right, I'm gonna let that sit for a while while you introduce. Your <laughs> All right. Well, I'm very 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 excited about this beer. This is called dream team it is a 10th anniversary beer from rubens brewing in seattle one of our all-time favorites they teamed up with fort george which is also a very very awesome popular brewery in seattle and a great notion oh cool into the tap room right across from caddy corner from rubens anyway i'm very excited these are three powerhouse breweries from seattle teaming up to make a hazy ipa called nice. dream team so it's a triple collab yep fort I george think... great notion and rubens i don't think i've ever seen a triple collab before pretty excited that's really cool yeah uh 7.2 percent hazy ipa pouring a very beautiful light straw colored yellow Pretty good haze to it. A very, very solid retaining foamy head. About an inch of head. Oh, smells really, <laughs> smells really good. It's just like a nice sort of citrus hop aroma. Nothing too complex. Just a nice sort of orange rind, grapefruit. Oh, just a lot of citrus. Not, it's not super tropical. Just some good citrus and pine. A little bit of hop, hop dankness to the aromas. But yeah, I'm excited. All right. Cheers, sir. Cheers. This is worthy of its white whale status. Yeah? Yeah, this beer is weird. <laughs> it's okay. breaking my brain. So it's like, okay, it's like, it's an imperial stout. It's bourbon, coffee, chocolate, and then sweet, dark fruits like fig, plum, and then bourbon, malt, sweet malt. And then on the finish, it's like a little bit yeasty. There's almost like a yeast bite on the finish. Really long finish. Okay. So all that's normal, right? You would be like, okay, yeah, that's an imperial stout. But it drinks like a light beer. The mouthfeel. Like the body? The body is super light. Which it seems impossible because it's 11.6% alcohol and it's barrel aged. You think it'd be like thick. But Mm -hmm. it's one... There's zero alcohol. Okay. And then two, it's 
it's I, I almost want to say it's a con like it's almost like too light of a body okay um, it's because it's like strange it's like oh am i really drinking a stout and then mm. it's kind of like astringent like it dries your mouth out a little bit but it's really good like <laughs> and it's really <laughs> different it's really different so huh. i love i love it it's really interesting i was not expecting i don't know what i was expecting but i was not expecting this but i, I really like it so big thumbs nice. up all right, I'm excited to try it now. Yeah, you'll have to see if it strikes you the same way. Just like immediately on that first sip, I was like, "Wait, what is going on? This is so weird." But in a <laughs> in a interesting way, in a good way. Okay. All right. Well, um, mine's pretty good. Not like breaking any sort of molds here. <laughs> uh, it is a easy IPA. I was reading a little bit more about it, so it's brewed with Cryo Simcoe hops, Nelson Sauvin hops. Rewaka hops, which I've never heard of, and Citra Incognito hops, which we've talked a little bit about that. About being, it's just like these different forms of hops and liquid hops. And anyway, it's got a lot of like, whereas the nose was kind of like citrusy and piney, the um, flavors are a little bit more like wine, white wine, um, a little bit of grapefruit in there, more like stone fruit. Uh, it's very resinous, very earthy, just that like sort of earthy dank. There's a, a nice like sort of pillowy, soft mouthfeel to it. Um, I think they use oats in the grain bill. So just kind of a, a nice like really soft drinking beer, nice earthy hop flavors. I mean, it's not blowing me away. I'm not, I, I don't know. I've had mul- multiple IPAs like this with this flavor profile and I don't, Love, love it. I feel like a three-way collab is like a committee at that point. And I feel like anything designed by a committee is bad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's funny. So apparently these three got together five years ago. Okay. Or ten years ago, then five years ago. Now, like every five years they come together. and So this is number three that they've done. Oh, okay. And uh, I don't know. I mean, yeah, you're you're probably right. A few too many hands in the too many in cooks. The cooks in the kitchen. Yeah, I'm not. I, I've always been sort of fascinated by collaborations. Anyway, like, mm-hmm. what does that even look like? Are they just coming together and building a recipe together? I don't know. And also, like, you come to get like all these three powerhouse breweries. They come together to build a recipe for a hazy IPA, and I don't know. They use Simcoe, Citra, and Nelson's right. hops like oh how did you think of that <laughs> totally. I don't know it's just kind of funny but it's almost like gimmicky more than anything but no I mean like I said it's not blowing me away it's just a hazy IPA with white grape grapefruit and stone fruit flavors okay would you give it, would you drink it again is it a thumbs up or I mean I would drink it again but it's kind of Sounds like a thumb sideways. Yeah, it's like a thumb sideways. I mean, it's good, but it's it's not worth like yeah chasing down again. That makes sense. Yeah, still three way collab. That's still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean the idea of it. That's why I got it. Just because I was like, okay, this is this legit. All right, so. cool. Well, my thumbs up is gonna have to. My thumbs up is so strong that it should carry the episode. <laughs> <laughs> And I have a, you brought me two of these. I have another one. I'm excited. Oh, I forgot I brought you two. Nice. I'll get to experience this again in the future. 
All right, so next we have postscripts and beer news. We have one of each. So postscripts is when we either correct something in a previous episode or return to something we said we would return to. And I gave Stephen homework because last episode we talked about cold IPAs, and he said he hates cold IPAs in our Love and Hates episode. And I said, I want to try a cold IPA. Can you find me a commercially, a widely available commercial cold IPA? And did you find me one, Stephen? No. <laughs> Because brewers are smart enough to know that it's not going to make any money, so uh, I like that. This is the thing that probably shows up more on tap as like one-offs more than something they're going to continually make or make enough of to widely distribute. But um, you do see them. There was actually a I did find a collaboration between Carl Strauss and Sierra Nevada, so two breweries that you can that have pretty wide distribution they did a collaboration on a cold ipa called what's cooler than being cool or something so so you'll see them but i don't think it's one of those styles that's really gonna you know take flight and yeah i think we talked about it last episode but the the opposite is what we like so the hobby lager yeah the cold ipa is like taking an ipa and kind of pushing it towards a lager but we've i think the ones we've tried that go the opposite direction where you start with the lager and make it hoppy, the results are much better. Yes. So. And it's kind of funny. Like, it's weird to think about that. But, you know, it's like a sour IPA versus a hoppy sour, right? right. Mm-hmm. It's funny. It seems like it should be the same thing, but it's not. It's not. Yeah. It's so. not. <laughs> yeah, I haven't cool. had very many good sour IPAs. Yeah. The only one I actually like is the New Belgian one that's just called Sour IPA. Hmm, that one's okay. actually not bad. Okay, I haven't had that one yet. Yeah, find it. It should be... It should, yeah, should get new, I've seen new, it. No, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I've seen See it. See if you can get a single of it. It's not, like, mind-boggling, but, like, it's solid. It, it, it is what it says it is. It's a Sour IPA. So. Okay, interesting. Yeah. And then you also have some beer news for us. Yeah, this is kind of some sad news. We All we do is report on breweries closing. Yeah, we have a lot of... We need some positive news next week yeah but this is yeah kind of crazy so there's a brewery called adalbert's here in austin it has been kind of an austin staple for a while there i think they're going on their like 11th year (laughs) the story is kind of crazy they were just they were actually planning kind of you know looking forward to what they were going to do for their 11th year and all this stuff and they noticed that there were a lot of surveyors coming through their parking lot and surveying the land and so they reached out to their landlord and said hey what's going on and the landlord admitted like oh yeah i think we've decided to sell the land and they're going to tear it down and turn it (laughs) turn it into an office building or something they're kind of blindsided by that and they made the announcement that they've been kind of looking at different options of like relocating continuing production and stuff and they just haven't found something that they think is, you know, good or sustainable or profitable or whatever. So they're just calling it good. They're just calling it quits. Yikes! That's so brutal. Yeah, I know it's super sad. Well, it's, it's really... crazy to think just like losing your lease could just disrupt your whole business, but to the point where you can't continue. But I guess for something like a brewery, that makes sense. I mean, you have kind of an intricate footprint. Mm-hmm. Well, you're, you know, you're tied to the location and it's, you know, it's probably it is a huge deal to try and move everything to a new place. And and I'll tell you right now, if you're trying to be in this area, real estate Mm. is 
insane. insane. Yeah, you are a fast-growing, fast-growing city. Yeah, uh, the, the list of the ten most. It's it was like a weird. It was a weird thing. It was like I think it was a change in real estate values or something okay. like over the like last a- year. So basically, like the unaffordability index, like you know, mm-hmm. like it went. You know, the biggest change in that. Um, the ten counties out of the ten counties, the ten worst counties in the whole United States. Number three was Travis County, which is Austin, basically. Okay. And yeah. uh, number four was Williams County, which is where I live, which is just north of Austin. So basically, <laughs> so the two, two counties, the two big Austin counties, yeah, are within the top five. So it's a Dang. it's a crazy real estate market here. Um, real estate values, yeah, real estate values have like doubled basically um, over the last year, year and a half. So that's uh, it's good if you want to. I don't know if you can sell your house or if you have a <laughs> you have a rental or extra something. property yeah. to sell or something. Yeah, but uh, not good for anyone who just has a primary <laughs> residence. <laughs> well, at least you have your house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. At least um, I can't afford my house now, but. <laughs> Yeah, on two fronts, can't afford. I can't afford my house now because of how much it costs, and I could never get a loan on the current <laughs> mortgage interest rate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's insane. So, anyway, so I, I feel for them because if they were trying to relocate anywhere, yeah, in this area, their costs could be, yeah, yeah their costs could be significantly higher. So, I mean, you know, in some ways, it's good. It was not a this was not a Schlitz mistake. Okay, this is not. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna get into that. Yeah, we'll get into that. But you know, they weren't. Um, you know, the quality of the beer was good, and they mm-hmm. were, their sales were good, and their taproom business was good. It just they're just losing their physical location. So that's a bummer. Farewell to Adelbert's. Uh, I never actually. <laughs> this is terrible. I've not visited their taproom, so maybe I'll try to get down there before. I think they Aww. have until, like November or something. So I'll try to get okay. down. There. Yeah, you should. I've had their beer. They make a a wit that's pretty good, a wit beer. Oh, nice. All right, very good. Well, we're sorry that happened to you. Are you ready for the main topic, Stephen? Sure. I wrote down in the notes how to say it. Schlitz. <laughs> I don't know why I was saying Schultz. <laughs> Schlitz, Schlitz, Schlitz. <laughs> Where do we start? This is an old one. This is an old one. Yeah, a surprisingly old one. I think it's 19... 19- no, I'm sorry. 18. 18. This is, eight- this yeah. is an 18. That's insane. <laughs> 1848 in Milwaukee. Okay, so what was um what was Yingling? Ooh, this is I have to look it up. Are you seeing who's older? Because they're the oldest, I think. Oh, tff, Yingling got it by a mile. 1829. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so about 20 years they got him by. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Cool. But still, this is quite old. So 1848, it's August Krug who started a restaurant. He's an immigrant from Bavaria. So interesting, it doesn't the original owner, the namesake of the brewery, was not established by the original owner. Yeah. It wasn't until two years later that they hired here's the man, Joseph Schlitz, who's another sure. German immigrant, to be his bookkeeper. <laughs> okay. And then he would die. Soon after. Krug. Yeah, Krug. Sorry, the original owner would die. And then Schlitz married Krug's widow. Oh, that's weird. Mr. Steal Your Girl. Yeah. Oof. Yeah. Take your business and steal your girl. 
<laughs> and then he changed the name to his name. Yeah, change your name. <laughs> yeah. And poor poor August. Dang, I like the Schlitz guy. <laughs> <laughs> He's a gangster. Take your business, take your wife. That's awesome. So then over the next two decades, they grew to be one of the bigger uh, breweries in Milwaukee. Yeah. They, they call this, this is, oh, it was once known as the beer that made Milwaukee famous, which is how I found it. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, they grew to be, uh, I think, one of the biggest. Well, they, right? I mean, we're jumping ahead a little bit in time, but they were basically going toe-to-toe with Budweiser in, like, okay. the 1940s and 1950s. They were, like, rivaling Budweiser, which is kind of crazy to think about. Yeah, so it's kind of interesting. So... Uh, I think we missed. Oh, so in 1875, Schlitz drowned. Yeah, after, he in a crazy. Um, uh, his he was in a ship that sunk. Yeah, he was going is, back to Germany. Yeah, which is insane. <laughs> I guess, but I guess maybe that was a little bit more common than you die in like travel accidents. But yeah, yeah. kind of kind of insane. The ship sunk after so, striking rocks. Yeah, so uh, it actually kind of went back to Krug's family because uh, August Uline, who was Krug's nephew, he w- then inherited the brewery, him and his three brothers. So the brewery kind of went back to the Krug family and uh, did really well. And there's not a whole lot of, I mean, I think they just, obviously there's kind of a reoccurring theme in uh, all these old breweries is they have to weather the prohibition storm. Yeah, it happens to all of them. It's like, did you survive? Well, if we're talking about you, you probably did survive Prohibition because all the yeah. ones that didn't didn't really make it to this era. But yeah. Yeah. So they did and they uh, they prospered. So, so the real sort of meaty history of Schlitz kind of started in the 1940s where they, you know, like we were saying, went kind of toe to toe with Anheuser-Busch. America was in love with this crappy lager style. <laughs> From Wisconsin. <laughs> <laughs> if you were making american lager you were uh, you were a big selling beer yeah, yeah so they, I, uh, they swapped the lead of best-selling beer in the united states back and forth in the 50s all the way until looks like 1957 and then Buzz, budweiser took like a permanent lead but yeah to give you an idea of like how big this beer company was they were going toe-to-toe yeah with the king of beers <laughs> well and we'll kind of see too that like the downfall of Schlitz really kind of just was born out of this competition with Budweiser. With Budweiser, yeah. like it just they could not deal with not being the number one brewery. Like they just couldn't deal with it. One could almost say they had misaligned goals. <laughs> so I mean, hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> okay, so how what did they what did they do to try and compete with Anheuser Busch? Well, they basically, from what I understand, they just wanted to become like more efficient and they wanted to have bigger margins because they figured, I guess they figured, well, if we can make more money, we can expand more, we can wrestle away the lead. So they started doing, they started making like all these tiny, 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 tiny decisions to increase their profit and increase their margin. They started like using corn syrup to use a little bit less malted barley they started using cheaper hop pellets instead of fresh hops. And they, they the assumption was like each one of these changes would be imperceptible. <laughs> like if you made them slowly, like if you made these changes little by little. Yeah. So I think they thought 
well, we'll just slowly make our beer bad and no one will notice. I, that was not their stated goal, but it started. Well, in the thing it seems like it was. <laughs> okay, I, in hindsight, it does. But like for a while, it was working. So I think you can get away with it a little bit, right? They, I guess in like the 70s, they did become the most efficient brewery in the world. And their profit to sales ratio was like way better than industry average. So it was working. (laughs) But I think they just kept trying to cut like little slices of, you know, we want to make a little bit more profit. We want to have costs be a little bit lower and a really good example of this is the um they acquired primo brewery in in the 60s in hawaii and this should have been like this should have foreshadowed their destruction but they made a horrible mistake in hawaii and it doesn't seem like they learned from it at all but basically they well primo like was a huge hawaiian brewer right it had absolute dominance of the beer market in hawaii and the First thing they did when they bought the Primo plant is they shut it down. And instead of making the beer at the Primo plant like it's always been done, they made wort in Los Angeles and then they dehydrated it and then they shipped it to Hawaii to like save save costs, basically. And then they would reconstitute the wort and brew that they did. This is the probably the first big change at least based on the information available to me that they did not get away with. Because well, I wonder if, like, I wonder if that's a, a, even a practice anywhere else. I've never heard of this. Like, like dehydrating I know, the wort. Like, what? Well, I know when you buy like a brew, you can buy wort from like brewing kits, right? Where they send it to you, and it's like the syrup. Like, they basically is that what that is? It's wort, right? Because they give it to you. It's like um, it comes in the little bottle, and then you got to pour it into the water. Didn't we do this once? Am I tripping? Well, no. I mean, you can do um, dry and liquid malt extract. Oh, oh, it's malt extract. Okay. Yeah. So that's extract brewing. So you have either like full grain brewing or extract brewing. Mm-hmm. I've always ever, I've always done extract brewing, but yeah, I mean, you're just putting malt extract into the water and creating the work that way. I see. So they're but doing I can't a, imagine doing a, you like do a full wort and then you and just then, pull the water off of it. And then like, it would turn the into like a syrup or something. Yeah. It sounds disgusting. Well, apparently it was disgusting because <laughs> they plummeted their market share from like 70 percent to 20 percent in like them in like a period of like four years. So those terrible decisions is that they absolutely destroyed the reputation of Primo. And I don't think they could ever get it back. And they will go on to then make these same decisions to absolutely destroy the reputation of their main product line. <laughs> <laughs> well, and the thing is, too, you had you had other companies competing, not just Anheuser-Busch. But now you have Miller that's growing. You have Paps that's growing and that are like using fairly quality ingredients to make their beers and and efficiently. And you're just like, let's just start making all these terrible decisions in how they make their beer. Well, the next thing they started doing was um, they figured out they could brew in like less days. It's called like green beer, basically. And they cut down. Let's see. It says they cut their brewing time from 25 to 21 days and then from 20 to 15 days. But apparently when you do that, the beer is like it has this horrible haze in it. 
Yeah, because one of the things you're doing when you lager a beer is you you want everything to settle out of it. Okay. That's uh that's one of the like classic characteristics of a lager is that you that cold lagering process of usually I don't know what Anheuser Busch's is lagering probably like forty days something like that. It says uh, on this article, and I have to give big props to this article off beerconnoisseur.com. I'm using that and Wikipedia to gather all this information, but they say Budweiser's 32 to 40 days. Okay. Okay. Yeah. So, but yeah, but you, you're using that time to clarify the beer and let everything fall out of that beer. So if you don't, if you're doing it, if you're cutting that time, you're just going to get a hazier beer. Well, yeah. So then they started using anti-hazing things like silica gel. <laughs> and Oh my um, God. Yeah. They're just, like, it's just insanity. Like, I think one of the things that struck me, like, I was just reading this, it's kind of like what I said before. It's like misaligned goals or like misaligned incentives. I've always said there's like two sides. If you look at like the extremes of capitalism, you have like what I think is a really positive reflection of capitalism where like you look at Sierra Nevada. And I don't know if this is still true, but like at least in the early days, they are successful. They're paying their employees really well because happy employees help create a successful business, right? They want to work there. And they're making money, but they're not like min-maxing. They're not like we have to make the absolute most amount of money. Yeah. So that's like one side of the coin. And then the other side of the coin is like a publicly traded company with a lot of pressure from shareholders where they're trying to like maximize quarterly returns. And that that's what this is reminding me of. It's like they're trying to maximize how much money they can make in the short term, but they're not doing a lot of like long-term strategic thinking and that Mm -hmm. obsession with maximizing short-term gains will ultimately destroy them. Like it was a a series of thousands of bad decisions. And then they got to a point, you know, to jump a little bit ahead of where we're at, but they basically just destroy their reputation. And once you destroy your reputation, especially on something like a beer brand, it's kind of like, like Ford, I think they've since recovered, but they had a reputation Mm -hmm. for being bad cars and because they had a period where they made really unreliable cars and they rectified the problem. But like it takes it can take like decades for your reputation to then come back. So it's like they basically broke the cardinal rule of marketing (laughs) where they, (laughs) they absolutely destroyed their reputation. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, also, I mean, you're talking about beer, right? Like can't mess with people's beer yeah i mean i know we we like we crap on uh bad american lager beers but like this was the most dominant style of beer in the united states people like it and you you can't you still i mean you're still messing with the quality of the beer that they're drinking right and at some point you know look maybe you don't notice the small incremental changes but eventually you're going to be able to notice like this beer is not as good as it used to be. (laughs) Right. And this is like, this is beer as a commodity. So like this market of beer drinker is different than the craft beer drinker. And I'm not saying that like in a um, value statement, but like, it's almost like when you're talking about someone that like just drinks Budweiser or like just drinks Schlitz beer, right? It's like almost a commodity at that point. It's more like the difference between like a Coke and a Pepsi drinker. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. I drink Coke. Like, oh, I drink Budweiser. 
So you have to, like, there's if someone selected you as their brand, where, like, every time they go to the store, they're buying you, that's your product, right? <laughs> so Yes, yeah. It reminds me of, like, and Coke's made, like, similar mistakes. Like, do you remember, like, New Coke, where they changed the recipe of Coke? Yeah. And because I guess the backstory, we could postscript this to get it right, but from my understanding, Pepsi and Coke were doing these blind taste tests, and what they found in a blind taste test where you just take like one sip of the soda, Pepsi mm. was like winning. Like everyone was picking Pepsi. And Coke had this like internal panic attack that like, oh, our Coke is not as good as Pepsi. And they made a new formulation of Coke that was sweeter to try to kind of taste like Pepsi. But what they didn't realize and what became clear is that when people drink soda, they don't just drink a blindfolded sip. They drink like a whole can, right? And the right. people that like Coke don't – Pepsi's fine. I actually, I've switched. I used to really like Pepsi. But Pepsi is really sweet. Like if you drink a whole can of it, that's a lot of really sweet soda. So yeah. people that liked Coke liked it because it wasn't as sweet and it has that kind of like Coke bite. Uh-huh. But – in that blind one sip taste test, Pepsi does better, but that's not the product. The product is not a one sip blind taste test. It's the whole can, right? It's the whole 12 pack. Yeah, yeah. So it's this thing where they like messed with their winning recipe based off a, a test that didn't actually represent the product. So it just kind of reminds me of that. It's just like, you cannot mess up when you're like basically a commodity brand to the where you're the thing that that's what people buy because they like your brand you yeah. cannot you cannot throw that away and that's exactly what they did yeah <laughs> well yeah so i mean it very very quickly went downhill from there mm-hmm. the other thing too is that like when they were adding this uh these new like anti-hazes right so they're they're like trying to fix problems they're creating themselves, right? They create a, this problem where they're uh, accelerating their fermentation process. Now, uh, because of that, like you've got these this haze. Now you are, you, you're using other ingredients to try and take that haze out artificially. Well, what they didn't realize is that when you put it into bottles and you put a foam stabilizer in it as well, now you have this like protein settling out and it creates these like white flakes floating in the beer, like mucus. All, you know, Schlitz is like trying to recover like, oh, no, it's, it's okay. It's fine. It's not harmful. But like anybody drinking beer is like, what? I don't want to drink this, right? It's not like appetizing or visually pleasing. It doesn't look like any beer they've ever had before. And they're thinking, this I don't think this is good for me. This beer's gone bad or this beer you know, like and so they're just having to do all this like service recovery and marketing to try and make up for these stupid mistakes they're making. And ultimately they have to just do a recall of all these bottles of beer. Yeah, they had to recall a bunch of it. Yeah, I, like you kind of pointed out something that's really interesting, too, is that they were like trying to fix problems that they created. Like, it, you know, another way to make the beer not hazy and need all these like anti-hazing agents, you could just let it's it lager. 15 more days. Yeah, exactly. Letting it lager so that it would just naturally become the thing that you want. But they're like, no, we have to. No, be we fast. can shorten it two weeks. Yeah. So it's just <laughs> like it's like madness followed by madness followed by madness. So. I think that's why it's such an interesting story and they call 
this phenomenon Meshlet's mistake? <laughs> because <laughs> or the other thing I saw in this article that I thought was clever phrasing. I don't know if this is the art, uh, the author, but basically like the it's just like slices, salami slices. So like just little tiny, tiny, tiny cost cutting corner cutting but like those all add up you can't just keep slicing off a little piece of something like <laughs> it will add up Ultimately, to a big the whole sausage yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah so soon after that whole recall debacle robert uline who was the uh the ceo he was diagnosed with leukemia and, and died very shortly afterwards so then there's this kind of this snowball of people taking over and resigning <laughs> and um you know these other big beer companies really surpassing them by so much where eventually they they just well i guess this will get to the 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 terrible ad campaigns we gotta cover those yeah so well i'll, I'll try to sneak in a few of these uh the clips from audio clips from these these beers first of all commercials were just weird back then so weird like part of it is they're i think the commercials were weird on top of being old but old commercials are just weird in general so it's hard to say like the one i watched this guy comes into this like party in a house and he's like where's the schlitz beer or whatever and then this there's this like woman and all of a sudden he just like sees her and he's like runs across the room to her and it's like starts to kind of like hit on her and i was just it's just so weird like it's weird like kind of like i don't know they're like kind of misogynistic sort of strange like i don't even understand what's going on and then somehow they just get to like if you're out of schlitz you're out of beer or whatever and <laughs> and then it's just weird jingle schlitz jingle i'm gonna pull i'm gonna cut it in right now so yeah so cut it in right here here's, and then here's the schlitz jingle it's terrible there's just one schlitz Schlitz Irreplaceable? Taste it. This is the most carefully brewed beer in the world. It takes 1,174 careful steps to create that special taste. Real gusto in the great light beer. If you like it light with a big taste too, there's only one brew that will do when you're out of Schlitz. Unthinkable. You're out of beer. Real gusto in the great light beer Schlitz. The beer that made Milwaukee famous. Well, and then I watched, there's this whole obsession with, like, gusto. So, like, Schlitz beer gives you gusto, and if you take away their beer, you take away their gusto. So there's a bunch of ads, there's a bunch of ads revolving around that, which, I don't know, was gusto a popular word in the 70s? Because it's I not. Know. Is, is it, like, uh, so I, I, I spent some time in Romania. I speak Romanian. The word for flavor is gust, G-U-S-T. Goose? So it may have be rooted in, like, flavor. Like what does okay. gusto mean? Yeah, I bet that. I bet maybe it has something to do with flavor. Gotta look up the Latin root or something like that. I don't know. Enjoyment or vigor in doing something. Okay, that's kind of a cool word for the beer then. Hearty or keen enjoyment as in eating or drinking. Gusto is Italian for taste. So, yeah, gust is flavor, taste. Okay, I guess take away my taste. Take away my gusto, my gusto. Take away my, take away my flavor. <laughs> my enjoyment. I think uh, Schlitz did that to themselves. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they took away the gusto. <laughs> yeah. 
But yeah, so they had this boxer being, was he like being uh, uh, like um, threatening? Like, don't take away my beer or I'll kill you or something? Is that Oh, it? the boxer one. No, he didn't say anything like that bad. We can clip that in too. But if you just YouTube um, Schlitz boxer ad, you'll see it. He basically was like, I don't know. I think it's so hard to say because these ads are from such an old time. <laughs> yeah. But the guy's like, what? You want to take away my beer? Like, are you kidding, man? Like, I'll decorate the canvas with you. Like, he's a boxer and he's buff and he has his boxing yeah. gloves on. I'll and I guess it... Up. I guess it read as, like, a very aggressive. It did not do well. People thought this was, like, a menacing ad campaign. It got the reputation of, like, drink Schlitz or we'll kill you. It's like, <laughs> it's like the, the that's the way it came across. And supposedly they pulled the ad within, like, two weeks. And it damaged the reputation of the company. So, Well, this is better than when I first even Googled what beer is milwaukee famous for and i started reading about schlitz beer and their disastrous marketing campaigns i saw this like drink schlitz or i'll kill you campaign and i was like i was like there's no way they actually said that right so this does make me feel better that that didn't act like that's <laughs> yeah there's that no wasn't way. the word for word campaign and i was like oh my god that would be edgy even today <laughs> like yeah. ads have really pushed the boundaries now but i that's a that's that couldn't even fly i don't think yeah. in yeah, 2022 so there's no way they did that in no. 1970 yeah but that was the perception of like oh mm-hmm. you're gonna beat me up and pound me into yeah. the ground just because that's how that's how people felt about the ad yeah yeah so i did, it didn't read that way to me but i'm desensitized by 50 years <laughs> of increasingly aggressive marketing so yeah at that time it probably did feel very at that time it was probably like very Whoa. intrusive like oh i'm yeah you're gonna punch okay that's weird so um i think by 1980 now they're just i mean they're not even the biggest brewery in milwaukee you know pabst and heileman are bigger and they kind of started looking for i don't know how much they were looking for a buyer but they were definitely um these other milwaukee breweries looking to just take them over and pabst made an offer pabst both pabst and heileman made a uh, made offers to take over Schlitz, but were both vetoed by the Justice Department uh, on competition. Yeah, would they think it was going to be a monopoly? Or yeah, something? yeah, probably Crazy. antitrust laws or something. So, but they did allow uh, Stroh Brewing, S T R O H. They were from Detroit. They allowed them to take them over for five hundred million dollars. So I guess it was just a matter of like um, Heilman and and Pabst. Either one, if you allowed either one to take over in Milwaukee, they would they would have created a monopoly essentially. Okay. So they did let a Detroit brewer come in and buy them, uh, but they didn't do very well with that. <laughs> and uh, you know, acquiring a company for five hundred million dollars was just too much for them to take. And so I think Pabst ended up being able to acquire them. When was, when was that? Oh yeah, so it's kind of ironic because Pabst tried to acquire them and then it got blocked. But they would go on to acquire them. It was pretty recently. Oh, 1999, I see. Yeah, 1999. And then it's basically back. They're making it. Uh, Schlitz, it's like kind of got the same label. I mean, if you go to their website, they're kind of saying like, we've been brewing since 1849. Oh, so. they're, oh they're just, they just, they're hanging on to they're that. Huh? Glossing like, over. Continuous yeah. brewing. <laughs> yeah. 
So, I mean, if you look at, oh, I should have maybe read this more, but they have their history posted on their site. I'm sure it's a very um, rose-tinted glasses. Yeah, yeah. History. Yeah, but now they're making, it says experience timeless taste. So, Paps is pumping out Schlitz, but I just, I don't know how it does now, but it's back. So, it's been resurrected by Paps. Yeah. Yeah, I believe they have a contract with S.A.B. Miller to brew their Pabst Blue Ribbon. Uh, they have a beer called Old Milwaukee and then uh, Schlitz beer. So three different beers, three different not very good beers, all being contract brewed by Miller. That's really funny. That's really funny. They're like not even brewing it. They're getting it like it's <laughs> like uh what is it called when uh, you're a very small brewery and you brew in someone else's brewery? It's uh, Yeah, like Gypsy Brewing. Gypsy Brewing. It's yeah. like Gypsy Brewing, but on like a ultra-commercial <laughs> scale. It's it's a crazy story. I mean, I understand why. I don't know how we had never heard of it. It's like a prime example of how we have beer pod- podcast, but we know nothing about beer. But, yeah, yeah. it's just funny well, because... It's like watching Budweiser destroy themselves. Like it's a company that that was that big and that popular, and then they just basically drove the company into the ground. So it's kind of interesting. I think it has, it's it's somewhat related to like where we grew up, mm. um, because I think being uh, like you should ask your parents. I'll bet they know. I'll bet they. Oh know. yeah, we're from the Midwest, so. Yeah, so because a lot of the people that um, like I work with uh, are like originally from the Midwest, and they know um, they definitely knew what Schlitz beer was. Uh, apparently, so uh, this is a kind of a side thing from them. I I don't I never really knew much about like what malt liquor was. Uh, apparently, there's a Schlitz malt liquor that was oh, very really? yeah that was very popular. And I, I honestly, I didn't really even know that much about like what malt liquor was. And basically, the narrow definition of it is just a lager where you add a bunch of adjuncts, like usually corn syrup or or just corn or just white sugar, to increase the ABV, and you just make a very, very, very light-bodied, high ABV, quote unquote, beer or alcoholic beverage. So. It's... Oh, I have lots of experience with malt liquors. <laughs> I have zero. I don't want to incriminate myself, but there was a period in my life where malt liquor was the gold standard because it's very cheap and it's designed to intoxicate you. It's basically it's designed to intoxicate you at the most cost-efficient way possible. Hey, there you go. Yes, it's disgusting though. I would. You should. We should. Um, I like Steel Reserve to eleven. That was my malt liquor of choice. But we should get you one and uh make you try it on the podcast it's horrific it's so disgusting <laughs> steel reserve to 11 that that was my choice uh, what's oh the um a- what's the abv of it oh that's a good question because i'm looking up the schlitz malt liquor right now it's it looks like they still make it or they made it brought it back the can it's horrifying it says schlitz and there's this blue bowl it looks like the wall street bowl like Okay. He's just like charging you basically. And it says malt liquor, original malt liquor recipe. <laughs> it's only 5.9% though. That's not very strong. I feel like 211 was like eight or nine. Uh, eight, 8%. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Steel reserve. It's, it's, it, it's to truly... provide a beverage option for shedding the stresses of a long day. Yes. Yes. That's, a, that's code. That's code for saying it will make you drunk. <laughs> 
crisp and balanced. It, it's anything but. It's like drinking, like, I can only describe it as, like, caustic. Do you know what medicine. the beer advocate score is for, for, for Steel oh. Reserve 211? It's got to be, like, 30, 50, 40. 58. Oh, that's actually higher than I thought. It is awful. That's the... Oh, awful? Okay, yeah, yeah. That accompanies a, a 58 score. It's awful. It is awful. Uh, here, let's read. Let's read beer advocate comments on Steel Two Eleven. <laughs> okay. Just awful. Reminds me of puking on the sidewalk and of not so nice times in my life. Avoid, avoid, avoid. Yeah. Oh, that's I'm, perfect. I, I think that's yeah, perfect. I can't review. wait to try it. That's a perfect review. They they yeah. make it in tall cans. You can get one of those. Great. Very excited about that. <laughs> Yeah, so malt liquor. That's the style I need to start dabbling in. <laughs> no, we do not. Start with, uh, if you want, you got to do um, barley wine. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the connoisseur's malt liquor. Okay. Yeah, right. well, it's kind of funny because if you actually do a really broad definition of malt liquor, uh, kind of basically all beer, any beer that's over like 5% alcohol is a malt liquor, right? It's malted barley. But but really, like the, the more narrow definition has come to represent these beverages that use a bunch of cheap adjuncts to increase the ABV, a little bit of malted barley. And yeah, I like the, I, I would... If I was going to do a definition of Molliker, it's like where the prioritization is on the strength of the beer rather than they don't they right. don't taste taste good. Right, right, yeah, yeah, not taste, just ABV. That's it. Yep, ABV is the focus, and like making it, I guess, somewhat passively drinkable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, King Cobra, Old English, Still Reserve, Colt Forty Five, Mickey's. Yeah, they're bad. We got to get you to try one on the podcast. I actually did. Uh, with a bunch of my friends who were into craft beer that never had like a malt liquor phase, we bought like one of each of these and we did like a tasting. And <laughs> I don't, I don't even think we like completed it. <laughs> I think they tasted like one or two and they were like, we're done. <laughs> I was like, come on guys, still like three or four more to taste. They're like, no, 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 it's not getting any better. Nope. They're bad. They're very, very, very bad. Yeah. So, I will say I'll, I'll call out my coworkers. A lot of them, they, their first, their first thought when I said Schlitz was, "Oh, Schlitz malt liquor." Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Not Schlitz beer. Uh, but it'd be interesting to see what your parents. Uh, yeah, I'll ask them if they remember Schlitz um, beer. But yeah, not not um not a a name you even really saw on the West Coast. All right, cool. We want to say anything else about Schlitz? <laughs> no. Just don't don't make a the Schlitz mistake. Yes. Don't destroy your company with a thousand small cuts with the focus on short-term gain. Yeah. Yeah, I, I kind of, I read a, just a sort of a funny kind of a take on it of like, you know, if they had had this sort of forethought of like, or just the, the idea of we're just trying to compete with Anheuser-Busch, we're just going to do everything we can to make money in the short term to try and compete with them as long as we can. Uh, knowing that it'll probably lead to our gradual downfall, but they didn't like they had this sort of like have your cake and eat it too, like make all these cuts to try and make short term profits with the idea of like we're gonna be the greatest brewery and the biggest brewery forever, you know. And you just that was like it just wasn't sustainable. Just like you were going to eventually make your customers turn away. Yep, they 
they wanted the best of both worlds and they couldn't have it. And now they they serve as an example of bad decisions. <laughs> hey, they still exist though, brewing continuously. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I guess the real story is that someone will buy you no matter how bad you mess up. And then I All guess right. I guess they're just living off nostalgia at this point from people who remembers the good Schlitz beer from the 60s. I do wonder if the modern. I assume they're not cutting all these crazy corners on the modern yeah. recipe, so right. maybe it's good again. Maybe it's good again. We should try yeah. to get one. All right, cool. Well, I think that is a good deep dive on Schlitz Brewing. This is Attenuation, a beer podcast. You can reach us at attenuation.podcast. And we are also, is that our Instagram? That's yeah. our Instagram. <laughs> Sorry. Woo. This uh, Yeah, that 11% hitting hard there. It's hitting, it's hitting hard. Uh, our email, sorry, is contact.attenuation <laughs> at gmail.com, but it's easier to find us on Instagram at attenuation.podcast. And this has been episode 58 of Attenuation of Your Podcast. My name is Jason, and I'm joined by my best friends in eighth grade, Stephen. That's me. And we are saying cheers, and we'll see you next week for episode 59. All right. Cheers, buddy. Cheers. Excuse me, champ. Great fight. Now, we'd like to take away your Schlitz and have you endorse our beer. You want to take away my gusto? (laughs) Say, you tickle me. (laughs) You want to take away my Schlitz, my gusto? Well, I'm going to play Picasso. And put you on the canvas. (laughs) You're going to be down for a count so long, they're going to use a calculator. (laughs) Take away my gusto. If you don't have Schlitz, you don't have gusto. Brother, you don't have beer. Schlitz. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Attenuation of Your Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and follow us on Instagram or Facebook for more fun content. Catch you next week. Cheers! Cheers.